Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast with myself, Andy Kelly. Lots to get through today, a mad game last night and I have uh, some excellent guests to help us talk about it. Um, not in the building today is our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. He is still away after his trip to the Emirates last night, but he is on the line. James, are you there? I am indeed. Oh, fair do. James just is on, on his way to another... Big game today, uh, down in Bath, and uh, also down at the Emirates last night for us was Christian Walsh. You all right, Christian? I am, I'm not too bad. He's hot-footed it from Lime Street, literally not been home, so I uh, wanted to be part of the pod today. And I'm also joined um, by the man who also got the Saturday before Christmas shift alongside myself, uh, tall Paul Gorst. You all right, Gorsty? I'm all right, Yeah, listen, Piercy, uh, we'll come straight to you, mate. That um, it, was, it was a... Bizarre, crazy, mad, any adjective along those lines you want to speak yes. of. How do, uh, I mean, you summed it up in your verdict as sort of, you know, all the, the glorious right things about Liverpool, but also all the wrong things as well, pretty much. And that was the type of game it was, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even, even having slept on it, it's, it's still a difficult one to even try and make sense of, really, because, you know, for a long period of that game, Liverpool were in such control and um, you know certainly 1-0 at half time you know, should should have been so much more I should have been out of sight should have killed after the loss and then you know, that burst in the, early in the second half when you know they get they get the breathing space with Salah's goal and at that point you know I, Christian was sat alongside me and you know the atmosphere at the Emirates really was mutinous you know the, you know, the unrest that had been growing and growing and, and you know at that point you know, if anything, you fancied Liverpool to probably score four or five. It was, it was they were that dominant, um, and just but out, out of nowhere they they imploded, and um, it was just just crazy individual mistakes. I don't even, I, I, it was you know it, it all happened so quickly. I don't I don't even think they had time to you know for it to be complacency or whatever. I, I just whether it was a lack of concentration, I I don't know. But you know, three goals of like just. So all three so painfully avoidable in terms of not doing the basics right, um, and then you know what would have been an absolutely crushing setback that would have, I think, undone a hell of a lot of the good work in recent months was thankfully avoided with the way they dug deep and, and rallied to force a point. Um, but yeah, in the end, I mean, I spoke to James Milner in the, the mix zone afterwards, and you know, I don't think anyone who, who walked away from that visiting dressing room at the Emirates was particularly satisfied because okay you know a point away at Arsenal's not a disaster by any stretch but it, it should have been should have been a lot more for Liverpool Christian that's the thing isn't it you know a point we, we did the, the pre-match podcast and you know I was saying that I think it's only once in 34 years Liverpool have managed to beat Arsenal down there by more than a goal so if you were going to win it was going to be tight most likely so a draw perfectly acceptable overall probably but the way it unfolded was so crazy how did you feel in those you know when that first one went in for Arsenal that five minutes that then unfolded did, did it did you just think these are coming or was it just one of those what's going on here I tweeted just before the second goal Xhaka's goal Liverpool need full time because the, 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 the usual shout is you know Liverpool or whatever team need half time here but it just felt like Liverpool need the whistle here already because it just felt with, with 40 minutes of a bit more a bit less maybe 35 minutes of the, of the game remaining Arsenal weren't necessarily playing particularly well they weren't cutting Liverpool apart but you could just see Liverpool were panicking 
and you can see that once, unlike the West Ham game where uh, Lanzini scored in a very similar situation actually at the back post beating Joe Gomez whereas Liverpool went down the other end and completely answered that you know well they took that question away you know can Liverpool stand firm here instead they didn't score so it was 2-1 and it just felt like it was coming and certainly when the second went in and then the third felt inevitable it just I don't feel like Arsenal necessarily did anything incredibly good to Liverpool worked really hard for their goals I know Arsenal quite had a soft underbelly but the, the, the way Liverpool scored those goals were fantastic. You know, individual moments of brilliance, some lovely team play. You know, real intelligence, movements on and off the ball. With Arsenal, all they've had there is a gamble on the far post, a, a long-range punt, and to be fair, the fair goal wasn't too bad, but it should really be stopped. So it just felt that Liverpool never, not even in those five minutes, did they feel that they, they, they were stretched defensively. It never felt like they were clinging on, but it just felt inevitable. It was such a strange feeling watching it because, and you know, it's one of those you're trying to think back of what what it was like at the at the time. But and I, I hope this isn't hindsight talking. It felt that Liverpool were the most uncomfortable, comfortable team I've ever seen in that five minutes because there was there was no sign of any errors coming. There was they, they, they were not under the caution yet. All of a sudden, the three two down from three individual mistakes. Of course, the the problem is, and fans will be listening to this. The problem is that. Liverpool have that type of five minutes in them or they have that type of half in them which they had at Sevilla um, where it took Sevilla you know, most of the second half to get that third one but it came and probably most of us weren't surprised when it did um, maybe the speed of Arsenal's turnaround at that five minutes took us by surprise but you know, I've said many times in the pod that I never know when Liverpool are maybe okay they were one up at half time here but two nil up not long after half time and, and I never know in those situations whether Liverpool will either go on and win five or six or whether it's going to end up yeah, you know, yeah. type of you know, high-scoring game that we saw uh, for both sides. Yeah, it kind of encapsulated everything that's good and bad about this, this Liverpool team on the clock, didn't it? You know, great going forward and, and they, they had Arsenal on the ropes and they went there as a top side and they looked there because they, they had Arsenal on the back foot at the Emirates. And then three goals conceded almost in the blink of an eye and... It's uh, it, it's the old the old mistakes cropping up again, aren't they? The Liverpool never had a chance to, to be on the back foot because before you knew it, it was it was three two. Um, it wasn't even a case of you can see it coming, like Christian said, because it it just came straight away. It was just you know unbelievable, really. Um, yeah, we didn't have time to get worried that exactly. one was coming because it had already thing. come. Klopp said after the game, you know, eighty nine minutes good, five minutes bad, uh, because there was ninety four minutes when you account for the stoppage time, and he was right to that degree, but but. I mean, only because Arsenal did what they had to do in five minutes. Yeah. You know, basically they just shortened Liverpool's misery there because in other games, like the Sevilla yeah. one, it was dragged out over forty minutes. They didn't, they didn't particularly have to work hard they, to get the lead. They, they were two 0 down, and then you know, three chances later, the, the winner. Well, let's three shots let, on target, three goals. Yeah, let's go through those goals. Piercy, the first one, it's pretty obvious. I mean, Arsenal are in and around the box, and now I think it's the cross in from Bellerin on the right. And he's having a good season, Joe Gomez, and he, you know, he's really turned his career around in England international now and everything. But we saw it, you know, it was quite heavily analysed on the telly afterwards. But you know, he has that one look at Sanchez and thinks he's okay, and then he just doesn't go to the ball, does he? Yeah, it was, you know, something that obviously Joe Gomez all, all learned from. I think, you know, it's, I, I saw he's, he's been getting a lot of stick on social media, which I think. Is, is incredibly harsh. Yes, you know it was an error on his part that 
that sparked that kind of five-minute collapse. And of course, he should have attacked the ball. He, he hesitated. I think it was Bellerin's cross, wasn't it? And you know, and allowed Sanchez to to steal it ahead of him. But you know, let's let's not lose sight of the bigger picture. You know, Joe Gomez wasn't to blame for what happened there last night. You know, yes, he was at fault for the first goal, but. It was it was a blip in what has been an outstanding season for him so far, and you know we live in a world now of knee-jerk reactions. But I think you know the, the bigger picture is that, that that Joe Gomez has been absolutely brilliant for Liverpool this season. And with young players, they they make mistakes. You know they're doing they're learning. You know in the in in the glare of the spotlight with you know the world watching and was you know it was yeah it was. It was a you know, a mistake on his part, but you know, what worried me a lot more were mistakes by much more established players that that, that led to the, the the second and the third goals. Well, I mean, we'll go Christian Simon Mignolet has been prob- maybe one of the most talked about Liverpool players of the last two three years. You would think just because he's a regular, um, he's a regular for coming in for stick from supporters. And generally, that's because he's made an error, or certainly um, something that some people feel is an error. Last night, we don't need to worry about it. It's a clear error. It's a very bad error. Um, lots of harsh words from uh, Jimmy Carragher, Gary Neville on the telly coverage. Uh, Cara said he's simply not good enough for a top-level team, and you know, mentioned the fact you know he's been going on about for ages. Gary Neville didn't even want to take the chance to slag off the Liverpool goalkeeper, though he, though he did in the end. But he was like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I feel like I've been talking about it for three years. It's been so regular. Where are we now with Simon Mignolet? We, we know he ended last season well and did well to get Liverpool into the Champions League. But, uh, it's, you know, he's taken a backward step this season, hasn't he? I think it's, First of all, I think it's unfair when pundits do that because they don't say anything about it when he's making decent saves at Brighton or or in other games, you know, and the same goes for Carrius when he was when he made the you know, when he, he was in the team and he was making a few good saves. They never praise the goalkeepers then. It's just when Isn't that their job though just to make those it saves? It is but but it just feels not reactionary, but it does feel like when a when a keeper drops a rick, when Mignolet drops a rick, they're straight back on him. Now what I would say to that is that if De Gea makes a rick or if Courtois makes a rick or if uh, Edison would make a rick, for example. Nothing really gets said; it just gets written off. Whereas with Mignolet, it's a thing because it does feel like there's too many of them over the course of his five-year Liverpool career. They've got more it, money in the, in the bank, bank haven't they? Got more yeah. So, so that that's the way I look at it. He has taken a backward step this season. I did, He's made a couple more errors. I thought he was brilliant last season. I thought he was Liverpool's most important player almost. Second half of the season, yeah. season yeah. when he got back on the side. He looked like a man who was refocused. He looked like somebody who was more comfortable with what he was doing. But the, just the little errors have started creeping in. Yet again, his distribution is not as good anymore. I've seen Klopp a couple of times on the sidelines shouting at him because he, he's, he's chosen the wrong option when it comes to distribution in terms of he's tried to get rid of it quickly when he wants it to calm down or he's tried to calm it down when he wants it quickly and it just feels like there's a bit of conflict there. Not personally, but between the ideals of what the manager wants and, and whatnot. The the one thing Mignolet's always been able to hang his hat on is is, you know, inverted commas, shot stopping. And it's a real bugbear of mine when people say goalkeepers are good shot stoppers because, you know, that's, that's what they're there for. They're, they are shot stoppers, that is the but he is he is normally very, very good at, at stopping shots. 
that yesterday was uh, an absolute. I, I have no idea. Yes, it swerved slightly. It did swerve slightly, but it looked like it took a deflection and it didn't. And you always know it's a bad one then because they've they've lost the trail of the ball completely. I think where we're at with Minule now after that after that mistake and you know was the was the goal against Willian maybe a little mistake you could you could throw that one in there and there's been a couple of others the Watford on the opening day Spurs one of Spurs, Spurs definitely. you know that was definitely. I think we're at the point now after this one. It's certainly the most high profile one. It's certainly the most unequivocal mistake that he's made. I think we're in the position now where. Ultimately, one of Mignolet or Carius's long-term Liverpool careers is going to be decided in the next couple of weeks, in the sense that if Mignolet retains his place, and you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. And if 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 Klopp stuck with him, I've, I've personally, you know, that's that's if that's what he wants to do, that's that's his prerogative. If he wants to stick with Mignolet, Loris Carius must be sitting on the bench and going, well, what what has to happen? For me to get another chance as first team goalkeeper, because all all I did, but all I did was those two mistakes against Bournemouth and West Ham, and I was bombed straight back out of that team. Yeah. What do I need? To, what does Simon Mignolet need to do for me to get another chance in the Premier League, not as a Champions League goalkeeper, but in the Premier League? Likewise, I think if Klopp makes a decision and goes, Simon, one mistake too many, I'm going to have a look at me other goalkeeper. Unlike last time, and I know he's been written off a number of times in his career, but I don't know if there's a way back for him this time. So either way, I feel Klopp's decision on what he does with Mignolet and Anacarius in the next couple of weeks will will shape their careers at Arnfield. Of course, do you do you think we have a, a number one goalkeeper in in that can take Liverpool where we want them to go in this squad at the moment? It's it's difficult to, to say if they do, isn't it? Um, I wrote a line about Lovren last week saying nearly four years after becoming the most expensive defender. Liverpool history, he's still struggling to convince them that he is the centre back that Liverpool need, and the, the exact same applies to Simon Mignolet. He was the most expensive goalkeeper in Liverpool history. Uh, it was around about nine million, wasn't it, in, in 2013. Um, we're creeping towards 2018, and, and he still, you know, there's still doubts around him, um, and that that's possibly something that the club has to address uh, maybe next summer. Um, but I, I think he's probably the, the best of a mediocre bunch. If I'm honest, Carius has never convinced me personally. Um, so I, I think as long as it stays as it is, Mignolet will be the Liverpool's Premier League goalkeeper. I think Jim, what we could say is that Mignolet's have more opportunities to show than Carrius, though. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. I mean, James, do you think the fact that Klopp bought a goalkeeper in Carrius has put him off buying another one? Because he, you know, to a certain extent, it's an admission that the one he bought wasn't wasn't ideal or hasn't worked out, um, and. You know where 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 are we now in, in terms of goalkeepers, as far as you can see? Well, I think, I mean, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think Carriers hasn't been what Klopp thought he was buying. I think you know it was no doubt when he when he brought Carriers in that the, the plan was to make him the number one straight away. Of course, he, he broke his hand didn't he, in the preseason. That that changed all of that, and then you know, he, and then he, he pretty much brought him fast tracked straight back in at the earliest opportunity last season and then you know Carriers didn't come anywhere near up to up to the levels expected and you know and I think I think the big thing why he ended up losing his place was because it, it became such a massive distraction because you know I think you could see there was no real understanding or you know kind of kind of rapport between Carriers and his back line there was a lot of uncertainty um, and, and that was why Mignolet came back in last December and you know, as you guys said before, he performed really, really well from December through to May. I think 
I think there is a knee-jerk reaction when a, when a keeper makes a blunder like that in such a high-profile game. You know, it's, it's unfair for pundits to, like, to say that, oh, I've been saying for three years he's not good enough. Well, that's, he hasn't been terrible for three years. That's just a ridiculous thing to say. He was a, he was a big, big reason why Liverpool got into the top four last season. And you know, people might not want to hear that today after what he did at the Emirates on Friday night, but it's, it's true. They're, they're, this they're... season... You know, I'd say, I'd say even even this season, I wouldn't I wouldn't say Mignolet's had a bad season so far, because again, I think I think Klopp is, has been keen to get Carrius in when he can. I still think Carrius is Klopp's man. He still wants Carrius to come good. But you know, in general, I think Mignolet has played well. The problem the problem he's got is a couple of his or he's made a couple of really bad mistakes in massive games, um, which have ended up contributing to Liverpool. Uh, dropping points, you know the, the biggest ones obviously been against against Tottenham and, and now against Arsenal. So, but it's a it's a massive decision for Klopp now because you can't. I don't think it helps this whole thing this season of, of of chopping and changing between the two for different competitions. I think that almost smacks of you know he's he's trying to keep them both happy because he's not a hundred percent convinced about either. So he's still, you know you know he's almost been hedging his bets so far. Um, and and the question is now what does he do? Does he you know, is his faith in Mignolet sufficient to believe that Mignolet will just put that behind him, just like he put what happened at Wembley behind him a couple of months ago? Or does he see this as, 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 as the, you know, the, the moment he's been waiting for to say, right, Carrius, you have a run in the team? Yeah, I mean, the, to be fair to the pundits last night, their general view was Mignolet is a decent Premier League goalkeeper, but where in the places where Liverpool want to be, at the top of the league, challenging for the Champions League, that you need an elite goalkeeper, and he just falls short in that in terms of making one or two too many errors. And there was a contrast. Neville contrasted it with, for instance, how Guardiola handled the situation with um, Bravo, Bravo Bravo last season, where he's had a terrible season. He didn't save a shot for about three months, did he? <laughs> and and he's just got and he obviously he brought him in, and he just went, okay, I've made a mistake there. I'm just going to buy another one. Now, we know funds aren't as uh, liberally dispersed from Anfield as they are from the Etihad, but, um, I mean, I have to say, I've generally been a, a supporter of Mignolet as being a decent, solid goalkeeper and that would be even better with a better defence in front of him. But if you look, you know, yes, we had a Joe Gomez mistake last night, but... I'd, when Arsenal get that first goal, Liverpool then need to be solid for a bit, don't they? And 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 then the goalkeeper just wafts at one and waves it in. And you know, I'm you know, I have to say, I'm I'm starting to wonder myself whether you know, too often we're talking about it, and maybe for all that, I think Simon Mignolet is a decent goalkeeper that we maybe need. Maybe there shouldn't be a maybe in this sentence, but we need someone absolutely top class and. The he problem with that is he, top he class costs absolute top money, doesn't it? Yeah, but look it, at, you, you look at the way that Klopp has operated since he's come in. I mean, he, he even forget goalkeepers alone. You look at defensive players; he's hardly hardly spent a penny ever on on anything defensively. He's going to have to, though, isn't he? Uh, that, that's probably the most important issue as well, isn't it? Centre back, where, where everyone knows is, is the. the the weak point for Liverpool and Klopp hasn't addressed that. So, how long until he gets to the goalkeeping situation? Well, you you but you watch a game like that, and you know certainly I don't, I'm trying not to be knee jerk here, and, and, and Liverpool definitely do need a centre back. But I was having a talk with a Liverpool fan on the train back today, 
and, and we were talking about you know 60 million Van Dijk and all that sort of stuff you know who's been left million, out of the Southampton squad squads, today yeah. so you know looks like he will be moving yeah. sooner rather than later yeah, wherever Pellegrino's way of saying that I'm, I'm done with you now yeah. um, but an interesting point was raised there. It was: Would you pay sixty million on a on a centre back, or would you pay sixty million on a goalkeeper? Well, you know what? That, What's more important for Liverpool? That's why when Piers is saying that it's going to top a top top goalkeeper is going to cost you a lot of money. But I mean, it's the most apart from centre forward. I would say it's the most obvious position in the pitch where your money buys your points straight away. Yeah. For me, um, Lover and I thought. Liverpool conceded three goals last night. I'd have Lover enough having had a good game last I, night. I, I thought he, played I thought he was excellent Lovering in Sevilla the, when we conceded Lovering three. in the first half was one of the best centre-back performances I'd seen yeah. in a long time. I don't think Clavan did a lot wrong. No. I thought there was uh, Gomez had his terrible error for the goal, but was involved in our second goal as well. Um, in the corner, he won the ball, passed it to Milner, and then off they went. Um, I thought Robertson. That was you, you could tell that was the biggest game I think he'd ever been involved mm. in. Maybe apart from internationals, but um, I might be wrong in that. But I'm, you know, it well, felt playoff final. Playoff, maybe, but, uh, yeah, yeah, but it felt Liverpool Arsenal. Yeah. That looked, felt like a big game, and I think he got. There was a few times where I thought you could tell it was the biggest game, and he, he didn't have a great game for me. Um, but we should we should also, you know, talk a little bit about. Maybe some of the better performances because we can't just have the net. It feels like it feels like a defeat, doesn't it, Piercy? Because Again. we should, we should. This is you know we're thirteen unbeaten, and I think I'm going to write a piece about this later. But it just doesn't feel like we're thirteen unbeaten because all the draws feel like defeats, and yeah. generally yeah. because we're the better side and should win the game as we should have last night. We should have been out of sight in the first half, um, and but there were some good performances. At, you know, further up the pitch, um, James Milner came off the bench and played quite well. I think you gave him your, your man of the match, um, Christian. You were on ratings. I think your highest mark was for Firmino, wasn't it? Although he, he, he's automatically a nine in my eyes now. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. he's just <laughs> he's brilliant. Yeah. What did you think of Liverpool going forward, Piercy? Obviously, Sadio Mane is the one who jumps out at you, who didn't have the best game and hasn't for a while. Mm. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I gave man of the match to, to Milner. I thought he was excellent when he came on. I think. That was so. I actually think Liverpool started the game particularly well, and you know, and obviously to lose your captain after 11, 12 minutes or whatever it was didn't exactly help matters. But I think he he played a big part in giving Liverpool a bit of control in the middle of the of the field and and just got them going as, as an attacking force. And yeah, Firmino was was absolutely brilliant again. Um, you know, Salah has rightly kind of dominated a lot of the coverage in the first half of the season, but. Firmino isn't far behind him when it, when it comes to contribution. I think that was that 14 goals now for the season. Um, you know, from a player who has, has been accused at times of, of, of lacking a, an end product. Um, you know, he, he caused Arsenal a lot of problems. I, I was actually a little bit disappointed with Salah last night, which is probably you know just shows how ridiculously good he's been in other games because I thought he should have had an absolute field day against Maitland Niles and I. I just felt at times he didn't he didn't take advantage of that the fact that he was up against such a such a rookie um, and you know and obviously Salah missed a couple of big chances as well he actually was quite lucky with the one he scored because I think if it doesn't take the deflection that doesn't end up in the in the back of the net um, yeah Koscielny yeah. let him clean through didn't he for one that he yeah. should finish yeah then Mane yeah. tries yeah. the spectacular when it was wasn't required he had the time to do something a bit uh, more no, normal I with think that. that almost yeah that just sums up Mane at the moment it's just you know, if it, if it goes in, then you know, of course, 
you know, he, he, he gets, you know, he gets great praise for doing it in such style. But it was almost like his decision making was was poor because you know he's, you're right, he had no need to go for the spectacular like that. Um, and it just yeah, continued his his recent, you know, worrying worrying slump in form. And you know, with every passing passing game and every passing week, it does become more of a concern that he's he's nowhere near the level he was at last season. I thought I thought Coutinho was excellent. He he did fade in, I thought in the second half, but first half especially, um, brilliant. You know, I love the way, you know, it was such an intelligent run for the goal and he gets a slice of luck with the with the way that Salah's cross is deflected into his path, but the way he reacted to just loop that head over over check um was was absolutely top draw. So I think the frustration was that Liverpool just weren't clinical or ruthless enough because they created so many chances. It's just ridiculous to go away to a top four rival like that and create. You know, they must have created 10, 11, 12 really, really good good chances. And you know, that's that that's why, as you said before, it, it feels like a defeat. And you're almost like racking your brains trying to think of the last time you were reflecting on a Liverpool game where you felt, oh, you know, we got away with one there because you know we probably didn't probably didn't deserve what we got but we'll take it kind of thing which you know you, how many times have you said that about United this season you know will they, will they somehow find a way to get a result and Liverpool almost seem to find a way not not to get what they deserve at times I think Klopp, Klopp reflected on that in his comments after the game didn't he where he was saying he couldn't think of he was asked about the number of draws and he was saying well the problem is that none of these draws did I go oh Wow, we did well to get a point there. It's all, it's all, ghosty. It's all, isn't it? It's all draws where they should have been wins, aren't they? Yeah, but it, it kind of hints at just how far Liverpool have come, really, because you draw into Chelsea, you're the champions, and you, you're disappointed with that. And you go to the Emirates and you score three and, and come away with the points, and you're still disappointed with that. And it, it, it's kind of like Klopp's making a rod for his own back, really, by by turning Liverpool into the you know the challenges that, that they've become. Um, but it, you know the, the frustration. You, you can understand it, especially with, with the chances that they created, uh, particularly Salah's one and, and then uh, Mane's miss. Um, but I suppose that that is just just a, a measurement of how far they've come on the club. Yeah, I mean, Christian, they've still scored three away from home against the top four again, rival. By the way, but again, that's six yeah. games on the bounce. Is it six now? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that should that should be enough. I mean, take Piercy's point. They missed. Lots of good chances, but three should be enough. Um, so, so there's something missing in terms of either mentality or ability to, in terms of, or or application in terms of how they can score three and still not win a game. You can get the reason we love football is that you can get three all or, or whatever. It was four three down there last year, wasn't it? Probably shouldn't be happening this often, should it? Yeah, it's just it is three it's, three. As it, sorry, I'll try and three 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 draws. In yeah. a season yeah. away from home is is I, I don't know is it is it unprecedented? It, it feels like it, and we're only in December. That's Watford City, City and, and, and <laughs> nine goals in that one win. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's incredible, really. And but it's not it, it's the, the thing with Liverpool, and I'm going to have to be careful here because I, I can't remember what Klopp said sort of to the to the cameras today, and, and but I'm pretty sure when he uh, post match comments he said about um, you know. How could I put this? It wasn't about losing control. I think he said that it wasn't yeah. about losing yeah. control. Yeah. He said that, so it wasn't about. He said they didn't. They didn't, didn't have to open up themselves yeah, to create their own chances. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He said it wasn't. That's thing. Milner said that Liverpool were boring. Do, did he agree? And he said, "Oh no, no." Milner said more, we needed to be needed more to be boring. boring. Yeah, yeah. And what he said in response to that was, 
he agreed with him. Um, but he knows what he means. He says they need more control. But then he said, but it wasn't a case of losing control today. It was a case of individual errors. The thing is, with Liverpool, you don't want to be too critical of them in terms of defence because, they, you know, bar these crazy games, they're doing well defensively. I know that sounds ridiculous, but if you, and it's a terrible shout, but if you take away this game and the severe game, they've had to be brilliant at the back for, for 12, 13 games. But is that because they haven't really been up against yeah, top quality? Top, top, top quality opposition. But you don't know, it's one of those, you don't know where the next, the next thing's coming from because if it's one game, they'll make individual mistakes. If it's another, they'll lose control. If it's another, the structure's all wrong. You, you don't. It's, it's death by a thousand cuts because you don't know what what what's going to kill Liverpool. You just know something's going to kill them. In a couple of weeks, it'll be oh set pieces again. Set, yeah, yeah, when, yeah, we've, exactly. when we've looked quite solid, I've thought yeah, from set pieces oh, recently. Lovren was Lovren was heading everything yeah. away. Firmino got in a great header yeah, yeah, at one they, stage. They, they as well. are really well drilled at set pieces, but inevitably, what will happen? They'll concede once somebody in January, yeah. and then the narrative will be oh, there's Liverpool on you, set pieces. You just kind of yearn them for a couple of two 0 wins on the bounce and, and yeah. just, just regulation. Yeah, I mean, Piercy Klopp must be sick of if he, he looks like he's a little bit sick of having to almost you know, repeat himself at times where you know it's not about defending that was just individual errors we saw that quite a bit earlier in the season where you know they could have good games but they just have these ricks in them and 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 you know he he must be sick of the sound of his own voice and wondering it feels like he puts you know if there's a there's a leak in the in the, in the dam over here. He puts his finger in that one, and then one pops up somewhere else, and then he solves that, and and the old one pops up again. And all of a sudden, he's got his little toe over his head, <laughs> yeah. and it's just like he is. Feels like he's turned himself into you know wrapping himself up in knots. Do you know what I mean? It, it feels like it's the the same old problems, but they just come up at different times again. Yeah, yeah. Just you're right. Yeah, it must be immensely frustrating because. I think you're right, you wouldn't even, you know, speaking to a few fans after the game, you said, oh, you know, we need to buy a centre-back in January. Well, is it? You, you put Van Dijk in there last night. I don't, I'm not convinced that still the same thing doesn't happen because, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't blame Lovren. I'm not sure you could blame Clavin. I thought, I thought you know, as, as you said before, Lovren had one of his best games of the season. I didn't think Clavin did hardly anything wrong. You know, I think the both of them walked through the mix zone afterwards. Probably, looked, you know, they looked a bit shell-shocked, to be honest, because probably thought, you know, here we, here we go again. You know, the defence is going to take an absolute battering for what's happened here tonight. And I think both of them were, were virtually blameless. It wasn't it wasn't like a, a collective issue where Liverpool were getting absolutely carved apart. And it was, it was you know, basic errors. You know, Gomez for the first one, Mignolet for the second. And, you know, what we haven't mentioned is Emre Chan for the third goal, I think. Just you know, let Ozil run in, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, I mean, that, I, think that, I think that's just as bad as, as, as Mignolet or Gomez. It was just complete... Complete and utter laziness not to track his runner um, like that, and you know that's that's just unforgivable. And you know, again, you know, it's such an avoidable goal. And I think you know that's the that's the frustration for Klopp because it's, not, it's nothing to do with being too gung ho or to do with tactics or the way they're set up. It's it's just down to individuals, you know, not taking responsibility and not doing the basics right. I mean, we'll we'll park Arsenal there and talk. Maybe finish off um, very quickly talking about how we shape up over the rest of the festive festive period. Um, so we we're back at Anfield Swansea, Boxing Day for yeah. Swansea, and then Leicester. Is it, have I got that wrong? Is it? Was yeah, Leicester. yeah, Leicester at Leicester at Anfield. So you know, Christian, a couple of home games where you know if you can get six points out of them, that point against Arsenal looks. 
slightly but we've seen that a couple of times this season haven't we where yeah, the Chelsea points the Chelsea point and things like that you go to Stoke and Brighton and it's six that's not bad goals and you go you've taken seven out of nine in those games mm. so a big chance was I mean Swansea aren't a good team at the moment but you know managerless but they have you know we've seen you know they came up was it last year or the January year? Yeah, yeah in January and came up to Anfield and, and beat us different Swansea you know, it was Sigurdsson and then Lorenzo yeah, ran the show didn't they and obviously they're not there at the moment Leon Britton look I mean we're recording this before the Crystal Palace game but Leon Britton could, could turn out to be a, a, a Pep Guardiola and waiting you know he could have you know but, or, or, he's, he, he's pretty much doing what Klopp did at Mainz you know a struggling team that were going down does a manager get sacked in because they don't know what to do? They, they appoint the, 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 the long-standing member of the squad, which, you know, what happens to Klopp. I mean, it looks like that they're going to appoint someone eventually, but you never know. He could get a win against against Palace and, and then they might give him the job. It's a bit hard for Klopp that in a way because I think I think he might would... I think he maybe would have rather have faced... Paul Clement. Paul Clement. 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 <laughs> because... Um, I, it's a bit of an, a bit of the unknown, a little bit of the unknown. He, he, you know, he'll have to he'll have a very short turnaround in, in analysing the Palace game and and seeing how Swansea maybe change the tactics. But yeah, it should. I mean, Swansea give up a lot of shots as well. That, that's a big thing. Um, the, the, you know, they're not they, they don't register many shots on target. Uh, I mean, it only takes one to score one against Liverpool at the moment. So it certainly did against the. Uh, they're against a bit toothless up top, aren't they? They, they should be bony. Seems to be out mm, as well. Yeah. I mean, Tammy Abraham he started really well, but apparently he's looking a bit out of depth now. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a few changes here. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw maybe uh, like a Solanke start up front, perhaps. Right, Percy Swansea. Simply, they've got to beat them. Um, Leicester. You know, carry a threat and are a strange side, but um, you know they have players who've given us some trouble in the past, albeit normally at their place. Still there? Oh, sorry, I oh. lost you then. Oh, <laughs> sorry, mate. I was saying Swansea. We've just got to beat them. Uh, Leicester, a team that have given us problems in the past, they have players. You know, obviously like Vardy, who has caused us some problems, but um, usually it's down at their place rather than at Anfield. Yeah, yeah. I think well, first up, Swansea. I think I, I watched their game against against Everton um, at the start of the week, and I mean they are absolutely awful. And you know, it's, I, I know obviously the, the managerial change, uh, you know, alters things a little bit. But you know, it, the, the Britain can't change the the personnel much, and that is a squad devoid of quality. And you know, you, Liverpool. That's that's just a, an absolute must win you know if you're serious about the top four you can't be dropping points to a team as bad as Swansea and then I think you're right I think Leicester will provide more of a more of a threat I mean we've seen you know when I've been to Leicester twice already this season of course you know the League Cup defeat um, and then a, a really entertaining win in the in the Premier League um, but yeah I think I mean, Puel has, has done a you know Puel's done a decent job there so far and you know, with the threat they pose on the counter attack with Vardy and and Okazaki, they will they will certainly ask some questions, but you know I think it will be you know Liverpool did to Leicester what they've done to quite a lot of the teams in terms of on their travels picking them off on the on the counter. Um, it'll just be interesting how Klopp obviously handles the, the two games because you know he will rotate somewhat. I think obviously you know the likes of Wijnaldum, I'm sure he'll probably come in back in on Boxing Day. You know because they're probably 
Solanke as well. I think hopefully we'll see a first start for Adam Lallana of the season. I mean, we're, um, we're going to be without Henderson. You would think yeah. if that if that uh, hamstring, uh, what looked like a hamstring last night, you know, you would think would be a few weeks at least. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we'll see Jordan Henderson back in a Liverpool shirt until um, you know a few weeks into January. I think you know the, the word this morning from people at Liverpool was that it was too soon to know the full extent of it. But you know when a when a player pulls up like that and and then doesn't even doesn't even attempt to to play on because he knows he you know Henderson's been in the game long enough to to to, to know when something's not right. And so yeah, I'd, I'd be amazed if he was back any sooner than kind of three or four weeks. And you know, hopefully, it's, it's not any more serious than that. Gorsty, um, we know there'll be a big sing along in the Gorst household on Christmas <laughs> Day. Will you still be singing on Boxing Day? You think after uh, the Swansea game? I, I, I hope so. Yeah, um, you know, it seems bad as Swansea come to Anfield. You know, anything less than than a win is a, is a really bad result. But I, I don't anticipate anything other than. Uh, a, a goal fest if I'm honest Liverpool uh, love the goals and I think that'll be the same on Boxing Day yeah. Christian happy enough with the what's, what's to come Yeah, I think Swansea 8-0 well, no <laughs> <laughs> I think Swansea could be on the on the real end of it uh, hammering if, if Liverpool uh, are at the you know at the races I feel like um, the, the, the type of team who was settled for Liverpool so to really hurt could, could, could be a, a real nervy game I don't know but Liverpool play like the way they did against Arsenal. They'll score goals and they won't have the same problems at the back. Well, um, I think that'll just about do. It sounds like, Piercy, you're getting towards the turnstiles there and you enjoy your um, game. Uh, National League, is it game today down there? Yeah, uh, National League South. It's, it's the... Uh... It's the West Country Classico, Chippenham Town against Bath City. <laughs> Marvellous, mate. Well, see if you can spot Five some... families down here. Yeah. Any centre-backs? <laughs> yeah. See if you <laughs> can spot any uh, emerging talent for us down there. But uh, we, well, we will hear from you again on Boxing Day. So uh, have a great Christmas, mate. And uh, from all of us here on the Blood Red Podcast, I want to thank you all for listening uh, during the year. We'll, have, uh, we'll be back before the end of 2017 to look back on Swansea. But... Uh, Hope you all have a Merry Christmas around the world, wherever you are. Uh, we know uh, we had friends contact us from Mexico last night and, and various other places we know the pods listen to. So um, thanks very much for all your support during the year. Have a great Christmas and um, hopefully we'll be back talking about a fine victory over Swansea um, on the 27th. So um, thanks for that. Uh, Merry Christmas and see you soon. Cheerio.